0: Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition and never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard in this podcast. Thank you so much. And without further ado, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving. It's your host, Poonam here with a very special guest, Dr. Erica Torres. Today, we are going to talk about losing a job and its impact on mental health. You might be wondering why did I choose this topic? Because the latest report released by the Bureau of Labor Statistics shows that the U.S. labor market added one 187,000 jobs in August 2023. Despite the steady pace of hiring, the unemployment rate jumped 0.3%, to 38 percent making its highest level since February 2022. And I believe the technology sector got impacted big time this year. And as per the layoff, dot FYI, More than 240,000 workers have been made off since the beginning of this year with Amazon, Google, Parent Alphabet, Dell, Microsoft, Meta, you name it. I am myself working in a technology company and see this happening every now and then. And I do have friends who have lost jobs and went through tough times. I do believe it's a big event in anyone's life and there is a huge impact on oral well-being. So let's talk to Dr. Erika and ask her to share some more insights on this topic. Dr. Erika, before I ask you more questions, please introduce yourself and tell us what
1: are you doing currently? Hi, thank you for so, uh, yes, my name is Dr. Erika Torres, I am a licensed psychologist in California. I lead uh, behavioral health and mental health tech, work specifically in the program and product development space with a focus on health equity, and I am very happy to be here and to share a little bit about just what—just really to build some empathy and connection around this topic uh, as humans, but also— perhaps bring some perspective on how we can support one another and what are maybe a few key things that we can do to take care of ourselves, whether or not we have lost a job or you know someone who has, just kind of to, to bring more awareness to the issue and uh, hopefully destigmatize stigmatize it as well, because I think that's a huge part of it.
0: Thank you, Dr. Erica. As I mentioned in the beginning, and you're also acknowledging losing a job is never easy on anyone, whether someone is in early career, mid or late in their career. So as you were saying, just to generate more awareness, why is losing your job a traumatic event?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, as behavioral health practitioners and clinicians, we talk about trauma in different ways. And of course, there's different kind of levels of trauma. There's like capital T trauma, you know, the complex stuff that folks experience in war and abuse and things like that. And then there's other kinds of like daily traumas that we experience. And I would say that losing your job is a traumatic event, and it of course impacts folks differently in different ways. For some, it may be the most traumatic thing that's ever happened. For some, it's just another thing in their life, right? But there is an element of like, um, how to describe this more succinctly, like psychological unsafety that comes with uh, with with that experience, which is what I would call traumatic, um, and just a feeling of disorientation, uh, the disruption to our sense of self, and and well-being to our identities. Um, It's really, um, especially for many of us for whom um, our jobs are an important part of our identity, and for some of us more than others, right, that's another piece of it too, right? Like, if folks are primarily identifying as people who work, And when they lose that, that's going to be a lot more traumatic than folks who are people who have a job because they have to pay bills, but they also live a very rich and fulfilling life outside of work, right? The impact on that experience is going to be very different depending on who you are and your relationship to work. So traumatic, yes, but I just wanted a caveat that, you know, not like in the, not to over extrapolate, right? Like, it is impactful and it just depends on the individual.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Doctor Erica, for sharing your insights. Even I noticed some people cope up with job loss easily, while others mm-hmm. have a difficult time. Right. So, why is coping with job loss so difficult for some people?
1: I would say that it's probably challenging for all people because I think in different ways, obviously. Because I think. For most of us, the reason we have a job is not only because it's a part of who we are, but because we have bills to pay, right? So it does impact us in like very concrete ways when we're not able to provide and pay our bills in a capitalistic society, right? But how we relate to that and again, how we uh, understand our relationship to our work, um, the kind of harmony that we may or may not have between our personal life and our work life. I think all of that is going to contribute to how we receive the news of losing a job. For some folks, it might actually be a relief. Yes, they have bills to pay. Yes, you know, no one wants to do something that's not out of their own choice, but some folks have been pondering about leaving their job for a while, and for whatever reason, they haven't, you know, pulled the plug, and suddenly they lose their job. And some people might be relieved, other people might be really disappointed and feel really traumatized by that, even though they wanted to leave, right, because it's not out of their own choice. So it's really how, kind of like the locus of control, right, like how we feel about our ability to control our environment and our situation, that's going to have a huge impact on how we relate to her. anything, actually, but specifically um, in the case of job loss, especially if it's, you know... Involuntary, right? It's like even if you weren't very happy in that company, someone telling you you no longer can be there is a lot different than you choosing to leave and doing something else. So, and I think it's the stories we tell ourselves about why we were let go, or you know, are we worthy enough? Or if our world revolves around work and our identity is so tied to it, like what to do with our free time? How do we then start relating to people in our lives? that maybe we had ignored because we were so, quote-unquote, busy with work, right? Like, the sequela of that kind of, you know, it's like front and center when people lose work. Um, So I think those are
0: the... I can relate what you're saying. It's kind of, you know, your identity crisis. You're losing your identity. Mm -hmm. Whenever you're meeting with somebody, you always introduce, I am so-and-so work at cisco or work at google Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. so when once you have like no longer the job role or title you do feel that sense of losing your identity so i can definitely relate what you're saying but any piece of advice for those who are like how to cope up with job loss as you said some people they accept the news maybe open-minded they maybe wanted to get out of the job role. Like some people, they have difficult time coping up. So how, like what are the coping strategies you can tell us?
1: Yeah, so like with any kind of trauma or any inner conflict, the main thing, and like the reason therapy works and coaching works and some of these other interventions work, is because we're like shedding light into the issue, right? So pretending like it's not happening, hiding under a rock, avoiding the topic, That's only going to exacerbate it and make it worse and make us feel more shame or guilt or whatever, disappointment about the issue. At the same time, it can be very difficult to talk about for all the reasons, right? And like the way our society places focus on what our job titles are and like how much money we're making, et cetera, right? Like that's often a thing that people ask you immediately when they connect with you, right? As you mentioned, like, you know, what do you do? As opposed to, like, you know, something else, like, what what do you do for fun, or that's how just by default we connect, right? So I think bringing light to the fact that this is happening, meaning, like, I lost a job involuntarily, um, and being able to talk to people we trust about that. Speak about, like, how it's impacting our lives, being able to reflect upon. Um, I think also like opportunities, right, like not to like undermine the impact and the trauma that can happen or the just the discombobulation that can come with it, but also to think about like what are opportunities, whether or not you were happy in that job to begin with, but like what are opportunities for you to regroup, right? Like what is really important? What are some of the values that maybe you're not as connected to as you would like to be? especially because you were so busy at work. And, like, now that you don't have a job, a paid job for the time being, like, how do you want to spend your time? What will that look like in terms of your job search, right? What kind of work will you want to pursue? How does that connect with your values and um, how you spend your time? Do you want to be really busy and engaged and have a certain title? Do you want to find more time to spend with your family and loved ones? You know, like what matters. So I think it really is an opportunity to like take inventory even in that very discombobulated space to say yes, this is not what I wanted. It's very difficult and it's happening and how can I make the best out of this situation? And talking to other folks, I mean, it's surprising how many folks once you start talking about this will share their own laid-off experience or their family members or friends. Like, it's quite, I mean, the numbers are large, so we're bound to run into people who've had this experience, but that's not something we openly talk about, and maybe we should.
0: Yeah, Dr. Erica, um, I remember when I talked to some of my friends and colleagues who went through the same experience, they were not comfortable sharing it first, and then mm-hmm. they opened up, And I was able to rather offer them help. First of all, they would say like, hey, you don't know how I feel. You did not go through this experience. So I acknowledge it is hard for them. But, you know, like as you were saying, situation has happened. You cannot change Mm -hmm. it. The only option you have is accept it and make your next step. Like, okay, what can I do with whatever resources I have, right? Mm -hmm. So... I was able to pass my friend's resume to hiring managers, give references. So I really like your advice. You know, it's not a matter of a shame. Um, it no job role is immune. No matter how hard you work, but if you know situations needs to happen, it will happen. But now accept it and ask. You know, what is under my control and beyond my control, and then. T- Talk to family members, friends, and you know as you were mentioning, there is a full support system, but the person who is going through this needs to express the uh, needs and reach out for help and instead of you know feeling shame or just going in on a cocoon. So thank you so much for sharing that. Like meaning we need to normalize this more, like the way we are talking, right? Or you know open up your feelings instead of suppressing, So I wanted to ask you one more question. So who has the responsibility of protecting the health and well-being of employees during, especially these difficult times when we know there is so much uncertainty going on for the job market or even when once employees employee go through this experience. So do you have any insights on that?
1: Yeah. Before I get to this question, I, I something you said on the previous comment. I just wanted to highlight that it's not only good for mental health and destigmatizing and support to talk about the fact that folks have been laid off, but it's also how you find a job, right? Like you need to network and connect with other people, and so being open and transparent about that paradoxically could be the thing that supports you in getting a job that you don't have, right? So uh, just to kind of close the loop on that. I think just having those conversations are helpful both the mental health kind of wellness level, but also just practically how do we connect with others about the, what we're looking for if we don't share what's going on. Thank you for inspiring that additional thought. And then also for this new question about the employee or employer and who, who has that responsibility. But you know, a lot of companies nowadays are focused, you know, we, most companies, by the way, if not all, have EAPs, Employee Assistance Programs, and I would just highly recommend folks to touch base on that and look into that and their benefits because that is, like, really important. And even if, and the reason that this is important is because they're highly underutilized. And let's say that you are in a relationship and one of you has lost a job and the other one of you might have an EAP, guess what? You can use that benefit to support you through this work that you're doing and through transitioning and. Um, uh, out of the job market and coping, right? So this could be a great resource and it's uh, free of cost. Um, and like I said, usually a great resource that's underutilized. So so check that out. But employers are trying to, EAT being one example, trying to take care of the employees, right? We have all these benefits, like EAP. We, um, many companies are offering things like wellness apps and gym memberships and this and that, and so I think there is a different culture shift than, say, like, you know, during the Industrial Revolution or something like that, where the employer does feel responsible in some ways for the employee because they acknowledge that in order to really, as far as the bottom line is concerned, they need healthy, uh, engage employees, and the only way to do that is to not exploit them and provide resources and support so that they can live a more fulfilling life and produce more, right? So that's kind of like the the essence of it. Now, when it comes to um, just who is responsible, I mean, ultimately, it's ourselves, right? We can avail ourselves of all these resources or our employers or our partners' employee benefits or just other resources in our environment and community. Um, and at the same time, like, only we are responsible for ourselves and how we feel and how we manage our feelings and our situation and how we cope with reality and how we accept what we cannot change and how we change what we can, right? So I think there's uh, really ways to leverage those resources, um, but also just remain grounded in the fact that We do, and with that responsibility comes a sense of hopefully agency and control that we feel over our wellness, as opposed to feeling uh, disempowered and powerless and frustrated, right? Like, we can create change. We can access resources. We can connect with others. We can make a difference in our lives, regardless of the, the situation that we're in. Even if it feels really dire, chances are we will get through it. You know, and we just need to kind of shift our mindset a little bit into how do we get through it? You know, what's available to us?
0: Yes, Dr. Erica, you're reminding me this too shall pass. That's is yes. very, you know, powerful to me doing. And no matter what time it is, it will pass. But, you know, going back to the responsibility, I I do know employers are providing of benefits. Uh, but end of the day, you know, they are running business and they need uh-huh. to meet uh, their quota, right? And if, like, employees, uh, some of employees are impacted, their colleagues are impacted because now right. the morale is low, right? And and the workload that uh, employee was doing is now going to come to the remaining employees. Uh-huh. That also kind of sometimes build up more stress for those who are staying there, But end of the day, you know, what I feel that ownership lies with me. I, myself worked crazy hours early in my career to prove myself I'm worthy. And I I had my own reasons. I was on a work visa. I had that fear of getting laid off and then maybe I need to go back to my country. So whatever Mm. reasons were there, but I learned my lessons hard way. So I just was wondering if you have any advice for those people who are not able to keep a balance, healthy balance between their work life and um, their personal life, and they are living in that continuous fear of being laid off. What can they do to remain, as you were saying,
1: grounded
0: and balanced and happy and have productive life?
1: That is the question, isn't it? You know, I think that I consider myself an overachiever, and I think I work pretty uh, efficiently and uh, get a lot done in, uh, in my work. Uh, and I'm able to build relationships and connect with others. And also, um, I feel pretty connected to my family and my um, what matters to me in terms of like both my my work, my paid work, if you will, and um, My personal life. And I think I I have, I feel that I finally have arrived at a place of some sort of harmony or healthy interdependency between the two pieces. Um, And I think the reason I feel that way, because I've been thinking about, like, what are the pieces? Like, how do I break it down? I mean, it's a very long story, but the synthesis of it, ultimately it's through therapy, coaching, and other, you know, just social support and the work that I've been doing on myself around mindfulness and meditation, things like that, has been really, really helpful. But what has been the, the outcome of all those things is uh, value-based work. So this is based on, like, different philosophies, like some of these grounded in, like, Zen Buddhism, uh, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, things of that nature. Um, but ultimately, like, aligning on values, I actually have on my work laptop, I'm looking at it right now, the set of six values that I, like, the most recent iteration of values that I arrived at, I think, over the last three months. And uh, they happen to be harmony, relationships, giving back, diversity, equity, accessibility, inclusion, and belonging, or, like, dead work present moment and solving meaningful problems. And then under that, I have like how, like what that means for me, right? And so when I am feeling discombobbled or just overwhelmed, busy, or like I'm not really sure what to do in the moment, and, and maybe I need a break and I need to take a breath or go for a walk or drink some water, and I'm just like not able to grasp that those are some of the things I might need, I just, uh, I kind of like try to remind myself of what's important um, and what I need to do in that moment in alignment with those values. And so that has been really, really helpful. It's not to say that every single time I do it, because, you know, I'm imperfect <laughs> as a human. Um, and it really does help because what it does for me is like I start noticing even, like, the water drinking or the walking or the breathing, you would think, like, how does that relate to the six values that, you know, but it does, actually. It relates to everything. Because if I can't be healthy and sane and hydrated, then how can I, you know, find harmony and relationships and give back and be present, you know? Like, so, um, so but it's a way to kind of operationalize mindfulness in a way that, for me, it feels more accessible and tangible than, like, long hours of meditation or yoga or things like that. Uh, I do like yoga, but I don't do hours of it. Uh, so, you know, things like that that might be accessible for folks I would recommend. And this value space works, I think, is just a great exercise. And it's simple, you know, just... There are value-based exercises you can find online, but ultimately, it doesn't have to be fancy. Just start thinking about what matters to you, maybe brainstorming and then you'll start to notice themes, and you can pick a few and be like, oh, this is a theme, this is a theme. And so, if I'm going to take on that extra meeting, or if I'm going to take on that extra thing I want to get back on, or whatever, does it align with my values? If it doesn't, maybe I shouldn't do it. I should do something else, and if it does, it's going to energize me, then maybe it doesn't matter that I had a long day, because ultimately it balances out. So that's what I would recommend.
0: That's a wonderful piece of advice, Dr. Erica. So what I understand from you, your own values work as a GPS for you? (laughs) <laughs> so uh-huh. it's like when you get lost, right? Like, hey, what are my values? Come back to that and, you know, choose uh, things, what matters to you and learning to say no, right? I think sometimes uh-huh. I see you, we get carried away saying yes to so many things and then feel overwhelmed. So I had to learn to say no and I had to put calendar, like time slot on my uh-huh. calendar as you were explaining And to keep those reminders for self-care, whether it's, you know, going for a walk or meditation or, you know, talking to a friend who uplifts me. So things Mm -hmm. like that, um, definitely setting my own boundaries, basically. Um, Yeah. So I love the word harmony, right? So there is no perfect balance. Yeah, there are days when I give more Mm -hmm. time at work than my... Uh, you know, personal life, but uh hey, the mind days are great and as you said, you know, be aware of your own values and keep coming back to that. If I'm doing what I'm doing, why am I doing, right? So these things will mm-hmm. make us more aware and maybe keep us grounded and maybe that harmony will be there. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing your insights. I learned a lot talking to you, and, I, and the main takeaway I feel like I am responsible for my own well-being. I need to work hard, but not at the cost of my mental and physical and emotional health. So, thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing your insights.
1: Thank you so much for sharing, and just a couple of thoughts you inspired as you were reflecting. Um, on, like, you know, I think you said something about, like, talking to a friend who, like, you know, supports me or whatever. I think being able to um, determine who are people in our lives that actually don't serve us very well might be an interesting, maybe a a, a thought exercise, but also maybe a topic for another day, because I think some folks in our lives can be very draining and we might feel like we don't have power and control to set boundaries around that, but guess what we do? And the first step is identifying who are those folks that energize me and who are those folks that don't and how do I navigate how much time I spent with those different groups of people that do energize me versus don't energize me. So I just wanted to point that out and um, something for us to, to think about in terms of like our own reserves, right? Like, how much how much care is left for us
0: yeah thank you so much again for you know closing with a great uh, piece of advice thank you dr erica thank you very much be well you're listening to mindful beautiful and thriving a podcast series by Tharaka foundation As part of our youth series, we will be releasing new episodes every Friday, so make sure to continue to check those out. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and thank you so much for listening.